Hello, my friends. Welcome to Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. It is a Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you joining in with me today. On Tuesdays, we're looking at, uh, I'm sorry, it is Thursday. <laughs> Can I rewind and start again? Can we turn the clock back a few seconds? Nah, we can't. It's okay. You love me. I love you. Glad to be here. Glad to bring you a smile today. And probably it's a good thing that the lesson is what it is today because it is one of those lessons. It's a longer psalm. Psalm 69 is where we're going to be because on Thursdays we are looking at the Tim and Kathy Keller book, The Songs of Jesus, that goes through the whole psalms in a daily devotional style in one year. And uh, some psalms are very short and like Psalm 70, the next one in this series is um, after Psalm 69, of course. Psalm 70 is a one one day reading because it's a short psalm but psalm 69 is four or five days but don't get discouraged don't turn me off already because it's not going to be that long we'll work through it and um and if you've ever had one of those seasons of life where you're thinking man i don't know if i can get through this i just feel like i'm drowning i feel like my enemies have their way with me i feel like i'm wondering where in the world god is well, a couple things. First of all, I just started this past Sunday a series of lessons from the book of Job, one of my favorite books. I know that's crazy, but I'm kind of crazy. And uh, and I love the study of Job so much. And this past Sunday, we introduced that study, uh, trusting in a God that you just don't get. And uh, I'll be doing that on Sunday mornings. If you ever wanted to vent at God and at life and at all the things that are going wrong, um, then this coming Sunday is the lesson for you because in Job 3, Job has some world-class venting and that's where we're going to be this coming Sunday. Uh, but today we're in Psalm 69 and the psalmist felt much like Job felt and perhaps much like you feel either at times in your life or even perhaps even right now. So Psalm 69, we'll go through, read it in sections, make a few comments, and then we'll move on. Psalm 69, verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me. Ever felt like you were drowning? That's exactly what the psalmist says. Help me, save me, O God, because I am drowning. Verse 3, I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever felt like that too? We probably all have. We pray and pray and pray and pray, and yet God seems to not hear or not be listening or just not acting. That's how Job felt, certainly so. And we we wonder, why aren't you listening to to, to me, God, I, I'm worn out. I'm dead tired calling for help. My throat is parched, been praying so hard. My eyes fail looking for my God. Boy, what a graphic way of expressing uh, the way the psalmist felt. Uh, he had been pouring out his heart to God. He His throat was parched because of that, and, and his eyes were fainting on him because um, he had been straining them looking for his God. Wow, powerful. Verse 4, those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. He had more than I did. 
Many are my enemies without cause, those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. False accusations abound for the psalmist, even so much so that they accuse him of stealing, and he has to pay uh, what he did not take. Verse 5, you, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. The psalmist doesn't pretend to be blameless, doesn't pretend to be sinless. And I love that about this psalm. Uh, the psalmist says, hey, I've got my sins. I know that. And I've talked to you about that, God. You know very well what they are. But we're not talking about those right now. Verse 6, Lord, the Lord, Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. In all of his concerns for deliverance, the psalmist is still concerned that he not be a stumbling block for others. What a great attitude Psalm 69 portrays. God, I know I've got it tough and I don't understand why you're not acting, why you are not hearing, why you have not delivered me. But dear God, I know that I'm not a perfect person either. And the last thing I want, even in the midst of all my suffering, is for someone to lose faith on account of me. Ah, what a tremendous, tremendous uh, prayer. Uh, we continue on, Psalm 69, verse 7. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children, his siblings. For zeal for your house consumes me, Psalm 69, verse 9 says. You heard that one? And the insults of those who insult you fall upon me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me, and I am the song of the drunkards. Wow. I am so low right now, God, and I'm so mocked that even the drunkards sing in their drunken stupor songs about me. Yikes. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. That's how the psalmist was living. That's what he experienced. He was still holding on to his faith. He was still worshiping God. He was still going to the gate of the city, but he was being mocked everywhere. And yet he continued to go zeal for your house consumes me. He says, I'm not giving up on this. And I think that's what we read in Job also. Those speeches of Job starting in chapter 3 where he vents at God and at his life saying things like, I wish I'd never been born. I wish I'd been stillborn. Even now, I wish God would take my life. Says that several times in the book of Job. Uh, and yet he held on to his faith. He continued to speak to God about it. He was commended because he spoke honestly, unlike his three friends. The psalmist here says the same thing. Zeal for your house consumes me. And Jesus would take that statement, as you know. In the Gospels, Jesus, they, they see Jesus taking care of those who were acting uh, unjustly around the temple areas and uh, drove them out. And, and they remember this psalm, zeal for your house consumes me. The insults of those who insult you fall on me. Uh, what an incredible, incredible statement. 
Psalm 69, verse 13. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Paul, in the first century, uh, to the Corinthians would write, now is the time of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. The psalmist says that day is coming. And one of the amazing things about this psalm is that even though we have no real indication that he was delivered while he was writing this, at the end he ends with praise. And we see a little, a little hint of that right here. Verse 14, rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me from the deep waters. Um, another great, great statement. And um, a part of my uh, sermon uh, coming up will be uh, on this Sunday will be a, that quote from <laughs> the A Star is Born movie, the most recent one uh, with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. We're far from the shadows, shallows now. We're far from the shallows now. What we're doing in Psalm 69 and in the book of Job, we're far from the shallows. This is the deep end. And the psalmist says, it's so deep I'm drowning here. Um, and, and so uh, we understand that uh, the psalmist was hurting and the psalmist was aching. And the psalmist wanted to God to know and to hear, uh, don't let the floodwaters engulf me, verse 15, or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love and in your great mercy turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. The psalmist still held out hope that God would hear, even though his voice was gone and his eyes were faded because he had been crying out to God for so long. He had been looking for God to no avail. And yet the psalmist continues. If it's King David, he continues to beg God to come and to deliver him. Verse 19 of Psalm 69, You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. And we figure that possibly because of what he said earlier in the psalm, his own family had forsaken him. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. Totally alone in his hurt. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Psalm 69 verse 21 says another illusion that the psalmist was going through and how much he was suffering and mock and being mocked and so Jesus himself uh, they would remember this passage when they did the same thing to Jesus on the cross. Uh, just a startling reminder how on the cross Jesus was scorned, disgraced, and shamed, helpless, friendless, and offered vinegar to drink, according to John 19. Uh, if you're in this position the same as the psalmist, know that Jesus knows what you're feeling. I don't think he came just to experience what we feel. I think he already knew that in his supernatural God knowledge, but he did it so that we would know without a doubt that Jesus understands because he lived it. These things that the psalmist says, these things that you might be experiencing now or perhaps will sometime in the future, uh, that feeling of aloneness, that feeling of forsakenness, even God wondering why God doesn't hear and answer. 
Um, Jesus experienced that too. Remember the cry on the cross, which is actually a quote from Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many allusions in that Psalm 22 to Jesus during his lifetime and especially on the cross. And that Psalm was in Jesus' mind when he was dying for your sins and for mine. Psalm 69, verse 22. May the table set before them become a snare. Talking about his enemies. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Well, don't pull any punches, psalmist. Tell us exactly how you feel, right? This psalm is very straightforward. And the psalmist was hurt and he was tired. And um, he was not seeing that deliverance coming soon. And he wanted that vindication. And so he calls on God to bring it. And he calls on God to uh, overtake his enemies who had overtaken him and to punish them and to bring that retribution and vindication that the psalmist wanted so desperately to experience. Jesus would come along the scene and he would even pray from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But we understand the humanity of how the psalmist feels. And if we're feeling that way, read the Psalms like Psalm 69, like Psalm 22, like Psalm 137 and others. Read them and know that they, were, they felt the same way. And they, they expressed those feelings to God. It's okay, he's big enough to handle it. And maybe you have a trusted friend or a, or a, a, a church leader, someone that you can go to and share this feeling, this, this hopelessness, this defeat, uh, this crying out for justice that the psalmist felt. I hope you can. I hope you can. Um, we continue on in Psalm 69, verse 29. But as for me, the psalmist says, afflicted and in pain, comparing to the enemies that he just prayed that God would deal with according to their works. But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. We understand that uh, the psalmist felt very, very low. He was drowning in his sorrows and his hurt and wondering where God was and calling on God to act to bring him justice. But calling on God to bring him forgiveness and deliverance and promising that he would praise God, uh, promising that all of those who are seeking the Lord would see how his heart is still turned toward God. And the psalmist gets it in verse 31. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. Even in the Old Testament, there are, there are windows where we see things like this. Uh, such as in Hosea chapter 6, Micah 6, Amos 5, so many other places. 
Here the psalmist says, it's not about offering up a sacrifice to God. It's about offering up heartfelt worship, uh, praising God in song, glorifying him with thanksgiving, uh, offering God the sincere praise from our heart. We can still do that with sacrifices, and the psalmist would be the first one to say that. By all means, obey the law of God. But the psalmist also knows that this is far deeper than fulfilling some commandment. This is something that he's crying out from his heart. And the praise that he gives as well cries out from the same heart. Verses 34 through 36. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it. And those who love his name will dwell there. <clears throat> Again, there's, there's nothing in the psalm to indicate that the psalmist's life had changed, that his circumstances had changed, nothing at all. But I love this quote. It's actually from the next lesson from Psalm 70, which we won't get to today. But um, Tim Keller quotes Elizabeth Elliot with this statement, The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. And that's a quote from Colossians 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's the secret. And Elizabeth Elliot makes that great quote, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. And isn't that right where we are so many times? The psalmist recognized that uh, he was going to praise God even if the deliverance hadn't come yet, even if his throat was still dry from crying out to God and his eyes still fading, longing and looking for God and not seeing him. The psalmist still says, I will praise the Lord. I will praise him. And even calls on all of creation. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them, because God will deliver and whatever you're going through today, I hope you feel that same way. God will deliver. He'll be there with you. It may be hard. There's no guarantees that it won't be. In fact, Jesus himself said, in the world you'll have trouble. John 16, verse 33. But he also said, take heart. I have overcome the world. I hope that you, like the psalmist, can openly and honestly verbalize your suffering and your doubts to God. That's okay. We live by faith, not by sight. But also, I hope along with the psalmist, you'll be so assured of the salvation that one day will come that you will offer up that praise to God and call on all of creation to join you as well. Let's close with prayer. Dear God, there are so many people I know that are hearing these words and that feel them firsthand. Bless them. Bless the strugglers, Father. Bless those who are suffering. Bless those who are doubting. Bless those whose throats are parched because they've been crying out to you so desperately. Bless those, Father, who, whose eyes are fading because they've been longing and watching and looking for you and you haven't come. Father, help them to know that you're there. Help them to remember Jesus on the cross. Help them to know that even though they may not see you, and may not even understand you. Father, please help them to know that you are there and that you will vindicate them and you will deliver them and you will save them, whether that's in this life or the next. Father, we praise you. We call on all of creation to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
I hope and pray that you will have a, a great weekend and that the Lord will make clear his answers to your prayers. God bless.